What was the inspiration behind the Autumn Winter Collection? Um, I started with, I basically met this incredible woman, Linda Sterling, um, <clears throat> the artist, and it was completely unintentional, but we got along very well and in a completely different context. And so I asked her if she'd be interested in collaborating. And I knew her work vaguely, but not so well, really. And it was only after that, I'm, after I met her, that I kind of became really affiliated with her work. Um, and because it deals a lot with female identity, I thought it was perfect for kind of reinterpretation through fashion. And she's always used fashion references as kind of source material for her collage. So it became. Just, it just, I guess it just made sense, so we basically started working together and I actually didn't know what the outcome would be or what the inspiration really was um, to begin with, but I guess I just analysed her work and based the whole collection on her, so I mean it's kind of complicated but I suppose it was, because her work dates back to 77 or the early, you know, late 70s rather. So there's a lot of material to kind of, it was very, you know, rich, inspirational source and it was, it was quite difficult to, I guess, um, dissect that into something that was a succinct message for a fashion collection. Um, but I guess it was just more about uh, displaying kind of her, her point of view on female identity, I suppose. And the prints, the original kind of print references were bought from eBay and um, were basically a 50s soft porn shoot that she'd bought the contact sheets for and negatives from eBay. And then again, the irises that she used to, to superimpose over the top with, were from eBay as well. So yeah, she basically just made them especially based on her stuff. Um, I, I think it's quite surprising that despite the fact that she's known as a punk artist and what you were saying, kind of it's pornographic images that were used in the prints, the collection itself was really refined. It was completely intentional um, and we talked about this idea that, of using glamour as a Trojan horse um, in the sense that if we'd, it would have been really easy to be sort of sensa sensationalise her work, her early punk work and I felt that what was kind of more relevant to that ideal now was to do something actually super chic and really refined because that's almost like the new punk for me and for her and we talked a lot about it. <clears throat> and um, also this idea that if you're making, creating a message for a fashion audience, people are easily turned off by heavy handedness, I think. So it was, it, it was kind of where I say it was like using this, this Trojan horse idea, it was speaking the language of fashion and using the references really subtly so that that the perversity in the collection was kind of almost second to the chicness and it becomes almost more hard-hitting because it's quite refined. That was the idea anyway, yeah. From kind of inspiration to the realisation, this is perhaps covering a large period, but what is your working process? Um, I guess I've refined it over the years, but so that I know that now I have sort of, if I get to a three-month, sort of bracket before the show and I know that I've got to start the research and um, so basically I, I decide the mood, work out, I, I think I work more sort of as an art director more, more so than a designer in a way because I'll, I'll think of a mood and think of the spirit of the collection and kind of see 
the final sort of idea realized on a catwalk in my head and then I'll sort of slowly start to sort of focus in on the, the different components so obviously like the shapes but um so it starts with mood then research visual research or whatever the research is but you need to because I can't pattern cut or so um I've got no technical ability whatsoever and I'm kind of not that interested in it um I'm even interested in the kind of realization of but not actually you know doing it um so I guess I need to translate those ideas to my staff like pattern cutters um <clears throat> and machinists so in order to do that I need to have a, a, a easily um read kind of language visual language for them to understand what I'm want, what I'm trying to achieve um so I do I just basically find references that that fit the mood and then so then I can do a lot of chatting and we talk about ideas over the you know over looking over a visual um, and then we work out a shape that feels right and then we'll do a fitting of the, the basic sort of block shapes and the silhouettes and from there I guess um, I'll do a lineup uh, of say 32 outfits that are kind of in running order um, and then we'll sort of start to dissect the patterns uh, so that there might be five blocks within a collection so I'll allocate one block per pattern cutter so that they can work on a story so it keeps it kind of tight. So in a way there's generally about five sort of subtle themes running through the collection and they will have been worked on by different, different pattern cutters. So it kind of gives a different handwriting to those <coughs> different areas of the collection and yeah. your people work to their strengths and things like that. Yeah, like I always see the whole thing as a really, really collaborative effort. Um, and I really like it that way. That's kind of the way I enjoy working, working with the team. And you know, I have really incredible, amazing people working with me that I absolutely love. And it's kind of a little family, and it's kind of the way I like it. I, I wouldn't like to kind of work alone. And yeah, I don't know. It's just I, because I can't actually do anything technically. I enjoy the whole process of working within a team and the dialogue, I guess, that, you, that comes out of that. I think over the last few years there's been kind of a lot of discussion about a new movement of London designers mm. who've sort of reinvigorated in London and roused new interest in London as a fashion capital. Mm. First of all, do you feel that's true and do you feel that you're part of that? Yeah, I mean, I do feel, yes, I feel it's completely true and yes, I do feel part of it, yeah. And I'm proud to be part of it, for sure. I think, you know, I think... This, this sort of, I feel a, the old ideal that London's a breeding ground and then people should eventually leave, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what, what proves their success is kind of outmoded. And I, I actually feel that we should be more proud of London and, and proud to stay here. And obviously people traditionally would leave because commercially it makes sense because you may not have the buyers or the press, the same echelon of buyers or press <clears throat> coming here during Fashion Week but I think that's changing and I think the more that we sort of stick together as a unit within London then the more people will be forced to come here and yeah I mean I think this season will be particularly exciting with Burberry coming back and some think, of the big advertisers coming back to London. I think I, just kind of on the back of that I think it's interesting not just this season but that kind of a few seasons ago you had kind of Luella come back mm. as she was opening a shop but then staying and other other people particularly this season yeah. are kind of coming back to celebrate London but I think maybe it's it's that London's suddenly becoming more viable 
and also like on a really base level I think it's actually cool you know what I mean it's cool again it's it's got a good energy it's inspiring you know you go to other cities and it just isn't as inspiring in terms of fashion like obviously you know you go to Paris and the, the houses are there and there's younger designers that are you know amazing but somehow there's a raw energy to London again and that's traditionally what it's known for but I really feel like it's it's all going on here right now yeah so I'm proud to be part of it for sure well we started off talking about kind of your present and we've talked a bit about the future so I'd quite like to go back and talk more about the past okay. um, before you established a label you studied at St Martin's under Louise Wilson yeah um, why do you think kind of so many amazing names including you have come out of that course <clears throat> um, well uh, I think not not to disregard Louise's input because she's absolutely amazing I'll come back to that but basically first of all I think that the college has such an incredible reputation and probably you know 80% because of her so she she probably has the best applicants you know in the world so you know you're starting with I guess a, a, a kind of um, beneficial platform but I think just because she is honest and she's got an eye and she's incredibly intelligent and personable and hilarious and you know people, res people the students just respond to her because she talks to you like and like you you know she's one of us and I don't know she's just got whatever it is like that je ne sais quoi you know I'm delving even further back it's into okay. history now <laughs> um, why did you want to become a fashion designer <coughs> um, I didn't actually know that I did want to become a fashion designer until I moved to London. Um, when I was a kid, I was always interested in uh, youth culture and express personal expression through clothes. Um, and I actually came to London. I was born in London, but I, I grew up in Australia, so I, I, I had a British passport, so I was able to come back. <clears throat> and I came back two weeks after I finished school in Australia because I was completely over living there. Um, but the plan was to basically do sculpture at St Martin's, so I applied for an access course, um, foundation course at St Martin's, um, and within the access course you have to choose three uh, areas of, of study, and I chose ceramics, theatre design and fashion, um, and I just ended up, I guess that was the first realisation that fashion was actually an industry and, and, and potentially a job, because my experience of kind of clothes in Australia was pretty much just sort of all around, you know, grunge culture and, and youth culture. Um, and I guess I realised that I had kind of a natural um, leaning towards that once I realised it was an industry, so is that making sense? I don't mm. know, but yeah. <laughs> kind of a real, that it was a realistic way that you could be creative and yeah. make a living out of it. I mean, I thought about doing fine art and then I just thought, well, you know what, this is actually a commerce and I actually don't want to necessarily be like on the bones of my ass at 30 and I owe the irony, but yeah, basically, <laughs> um, I just thought it was a kind of more realistic uh, avenue to take. My final question is just, how, what are your plans for the Richard Nickel label and how would you like it to develop? Um, uh, to be honest, I always try to make a point of not making long-term plans because I think it negates the present a little. So 
I take things as they come, season on season, and uh, you know, I'd like to be around, and I'd like to have integrity in ten years' time, and I'd like to be in control of what I was designing. Um, but I never really think about that kind of thing, to be honest. Personally, I just take it as it comes. Um, I think all that you need to worry about is sort of what's right in front of you, and let let destiny control the rest. Anyway. <laughs>